If you remember, we said two weeks ago that there were two things we must, we must be doing throughout the week where our faith is concerned. We said we got to be feeding our faith and we got to be exercising our faith. That means we got to be believing God for something. We can't just come to church and say, okay, we heard about faith, and then you don't believe God for anything as you go. Amen? And, and here's how you know that you're in faith. You're believing God for something that you can't do for yourself. Amen? You're, you're believing God for something that you can't do for yourself. And we said it could be something as simple as when you go to Walmart, believing for a parking space up front. Amen? Because I mean, no, unless you got a tow truck, you can't guarantee you're going to have a, a, a parking space up front. Amen? So we said you've got to exercise your faith, and then you've got to spend time feeding. And I, and I, it feels like you're doing that because the atmosphere in the room uh, is, is just full of faith, and I, and, I, and I love it. Pastor Sean and Kristen both hit on something this morning that I'm going to start with, um, and then we'll jump into what I had planned to. But sometimes, you know, well, Pastor Sean was talking that, that scripture that says we don't put up with foolishness. Amen? I mean, so let's make that confession. Say, I do not, I do not put, up put up with foolishness, foolishness. in my life. Say, I use the word of God to expel all foolishness out of my life. Amen. Amen. Now, the word of God says that you can be so full of faith, that you can be so trusting of God, that you don't even realize when foolishness shows up. Amen. And this is a good thing because the world is full of foolishness. But we can't spend all of our time focusing on foolishness because even if we spend our time focusing on it, it takes our focus away from God. Amen. And so we use the word of God to expel foolishness out of our life. But we're we're moving to a level where we don't even see when the foolishness comes. Amen. And so I want you to go to Jeremiah uh, and, and Caleb, this one on my list. So if you can find it for me, Jeremiah 17. Verse five, and we're going to go through verse um, the verse 10. And those of you that have your Bible, I want you to see sometimes I'm not a big proponent that you have to memorize every scripture, but you ought to have some go to scriptures. You ought to have some things that you know in your mind that when something shows up, you can quote it to yourself just like that. You know, Psalms 18 and 30 has been mine uh, the last couple of weeks, uh, about, about a month or some, about a month, really, uh, where, where it says the, the ways of the Lord is perfect. I've just been meditating on that one because everything I'm trying to get done in my life, I just got to realize that it, just following God is going to work out. That my own plan won't make it happen, but the ways of the Lord are perfect. So there are some scriptures that you need to be able to, 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 to memorize. And, and one of the ones that I think you ought to have a go-to, whether you memorize it or just know where it is, is Jeremiah 17. Jeremiah 17 and 5. And let's, just, let's just look at that for a moment. It says, thus saith the Lord. So this is what the Lord's saying. The Lord says, cursed be the man that trusts in man. And we know this word cursed here. We know blessed means what? Empowered to prosper. So cursed is the inverse of that. It means what? Empowered to fail. So he says, empowered to fail is the man that trusts in man. So even if you put your own trust in you, which is what Pastor Sean said earlier, you're going to fail. If you put your trust in a job, you put your trust in your pedigree, you put your trust in your education. It says if you put your, all of your trust in that and you make flesh your arm or you make mankind or you make a human being, even yourself, everything for you. He said, and if your heart departs from the Lord, you're going to fail. Amen. Tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, neighbor. If, the Lord if the Lord doesn't help us, doesn't help. we're going to fail no matter what. 
That's what. And if you begin to understand that, that no matter what, if the Lord doesn't help you with your best plan, you're going to fail. With your highest degree, you're going to fail. With coming from the best family, you're going to fail. If God doesn't step in and God doesn't help you, you're going to fail. But how can I assure that I'm not going to fail? He says, all I got to do is put my trust in God. Because notice what he says. He says, for he shall be like a what? A heat or an oven in the desert. Now, how many know you don't have any use for an oven in the desert? He said, that's what you're going to be like, useless without God. He says, and you shall not even see, watch this, when good what? Comes. So the Lord says that if you don't put your trust in him, there's going to be good things coming your way, but you won't even recognize it. He says, but you shall be like inhabitants in parched places, dry places, places without any resources. He says, you're going to be like a person who's stuck in the wilderness. He says, in a salt land, in a place that's not inhabited. All because why? I choose to put my trust in myself or in somebody else other than God. Tell your neighbor, say, but neighbor, that's not the end of the story. Because in the next verse, notice what he says. In verse 7, he then says this. He says, but blessed or empowered to prosper is the man that does what? Trust in the Lord and whose what? Hope the Lord is. In other words, he says, now, you can do this one or two ways. You can put all of your efforts and all of your trust in your education, in, in, in your intellect, in, in the people that you know, in your connections, and hope that it's going to work out. But the word says it's going to fail eventually. He says, but you can be blessed, and you can be blessed by trusting in the Lord and putting your hope in God. In other words, whatever God has said to you, you can put hope in it because God is not a man that he should lie. Nor is he the son of man that he should repent for anything. If God said it, that settles it. Amen. He then says this. He says, for he shall be like a tree planted by the waters that spreadeth out her roots by the river. Watch this. And shall not see when foolishness comes. Shall not see when heat comes. He says, you can be so focused on God that the foolishness is all around you doesn't even distract you from what you're believing God for. He said, you can be so focused on God that you go to the doctor, get a bad report, and nobody ever knows it because your countenance doesn't change. He says, because your focus is so on God, the foolishness, the heat that comes, the pressure that comes doesn't get you deterred. He says, but your leaf or the tree's leaf shall be green. Watch this. And it shall not be careful in the year of drought. Now, understand this. What he's, he's using an example of a tree here. He says, this tree, you, uh, when you're trusting God, is going to be like a tree that's been planted by a river, a river that's constantly flowing. He says, so even if there's a drought in this area, you're not going to be trying to hold back and trying to piecemeal your life together. You're going to keep blossoming and keep blooming because the river of water, the Holy Spirit, your faith is going to continue to cause you to flourish. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, it's time to flourish. I wish I had three folk who agree with that this morning. It's time to flourish. Why? Because he says we're not going to be careful in the year of drought. He says neither shall we cease from yielding fruit. In other words, he says no matter even when bad reports come, you're going to keep seeing the results of the Lord. Because you're going to keep believing in God. He says and when you do that, he says you're going to produce fruit even when other people aren't producing fruit. Amen. Let's look at the next couple of verses. It says, the, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked, so who can know it? He says, he says, I, the Lord, search your heart. 
He says, I try the reins even to give every man according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doing. So tell your neighbor, say neighbor. neighbor. Say when foolishness comes, when foolishness comes just, see just see it as a test. As a test. Remember we read the last couple of weeks, we said that there's going to be an inspection of your faith coming. And we said it's going to be thorough, amen? We said you got to use the right materials to build your house of faith because if you don't, it's going to be destroyed. So understand, being a Christian does not exempt you from life's challenges. Just because you're born again, just because you saved, just because you love the Lord, just because you pray and you fast and you tithe and you work in the church, that doesn't mean trouble's not going to come your way. The Bible says that man is born in but a few days and full of troubles. In other words, every person in this earth is going to find challenges. Amen. But the thing between us and those who don't believe is we already know we win. Tell your neighbor, say neighbor. In case you didn't know, we win. Amen. Amen. And amen. Now let's take a look at Second Chronicles 16 and 9. Second Chronicles 16 and 9, and we're going, to, we're going to go a little quicker here because some of this is foundation. And then I'm going to give you the six steps to building your faith. The six things that you can do to make sure that your faith is a faith that lasts. The Bible says in 2 Chronicles 16 and 9, it says, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of those whose heart is what? Perfect toward him. Tell your neighbor, say, being perfect doesn't mean I don't make mistakes. This word here, perfect, means the word dedicated. If you look up this word in, in the Hebrew, it means to be dedicated. A man's heart who's dedicated toward God. Because it is absolutely possible to be dedicated toward God and to make a mistake. Because you're human. And as a human, you are flawed. And as a flawed person, we make mistakes. But my heart can always be toward God. Amen? And so the thing you have to understand is that my mistake doesn't cancel or delay my destiny. Tell your neighbor, say, your mistake didn't cancel or even delay your destiny as long as your heart is stayed toward God. Amen. 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 We're a teaching ministry, so we don't teach folk to be afraid of God. You shouldn't be scared of God. You shouldn't be afraid that every time you make a mistake, you run from God. In fact, you ought to get to the habit that when you make a mistake, you run to God. Amen. He says, so the Lord is looking for somebody he can show himself strong to. I wish I had five folks say, you know what, Pastor? That's me. The Lord can show himself strong on my behalf. Somebody got some health issues that the Lord wants to show himself strong to. Somebody got some financial issues that the Lord wants to show himself strong to. Some of you need something to happen in your life that no matter your connections and who you know, it ain't going to get done unless God makes the connection. And God says, let me be the one to make the supernatural connection for you. Amen. Now, let's take a look at Psalm 62. Pastor Sean said this this morning. She was preaching this message, basically. She was saying this morning that when you come to church, you got to have an expectation. Amen. You can't just get up and roll out of bed and come to church and go, well, I did my due. You got to get up and go, you know what? I'm going to church this morning. I'm going to fellowship with other believers. And in doing so, I'm expecting to hear something from God that's going to change my life. In fact, say that. Say every time, every time I, hear the word, I hear the word, my life, my life is radically changed. Exactly. Amen. Hallelujah. Every time we hear the word. He says this in verse 1 and verse 2. He says, truly. My soul, my mind, my will, my emotions, my imagination, and my intellect, they wait upon God. I'm waiting on God to talk to me. It says, from him cometh my salvation or comes my deliverance. 
My deliverance is not going to come from some ingenious plan that I make up. It's going to come because the Lord is going to tell me how he's going to deliver me. Watch this. God will tell you how he's going to deliver you, and then he'll say, now pray I deliver you that way. You'll pray to the Lord that he'll deliver you that way, and then God will deliver you that way. God doesn't leave any stone unturned, amen? It says, he only is my rock and my salvation or my deliverance. He is my defense. I shall not be what? Greatly moved. Tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, when foolishness comes, it cannot knock me out of faith. Amen. Amen. Because I shall not be greatly moved. I shall not. My faith is going to be built to last. I'm going to be like that man who digged really deep and built his house on a solid foundation. And the word says that when the storms came and beat up against that house, that house stood and could not be torn down. And so we're talking about building our faith for the exact same reason, that when the storms of life come, they cannot be turned, torn down. Amen? Let's look at verse 5. Verse 5, we'll skip down. It says this, my soul, wait thou only upon who? God, for my expectation is from him. My expectation is not from my spouse. My expectation is not from my partner. It's not from my, 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 my friend. It's not from my buddy. It's not from my boss. It's not from my mom. My expectation, how I'm going to get out of whatever I'm in, I don't have to ask 50 people. Yeah, I don't have to have a big meeting to decide how I'm going to get delivered. There's one person who already knows my deliverance path, and he's willing to share it with me. So my expectation is from him. He only is my rock and my deliverance. He is my defense. Why she says it again. I shall not be what? Moved. Let's look at the next verse. Verse 7. He says, in God is my deliverance. And my glory. In other words, when I, get, when I get delivered, the glory of it is going to come not because I was so smart to get out of it, but because God was so ingenious that he had a way that nobody else saw and he still got me out of it. See, sometimes, and, and, and it's, it works this way most of the time, the devil, is not, the devil is not omniscient and he's not omnipresent. People think he's like God, but he's not. Because if he was omniscient and if he was omnipresent, he'd have never let Jesus get crucified. Because, because if he had let, if he, if he knew, now watch this, he had Jesus contained in a human body. Okay? But, but if he was omnipresent and he was omniscient, then he would have known that by crucifying Jesus, he was going to spread him to billions of bodies. So the fact that he didn't know that lets you know he don't know everything. Because if he was smart, he'd have done everything he could to keep Jesus from being crucified so he could have kept him contained in one place. So the Bible tells us right here, it says, understand that you and I, we have to put our trust in him at all times. Okay? God is our deliverance. He is our glory. And so when God gets us out of a situation, it's to let other people know, look what God can do. In fact, tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, what I'm going through, and the, glory and the glory that will come from my deliverance, from my deliverance. is not just for me. It's for everybody I'm connected to. I got invigorated when I heard about Kevin and Erica. And it, and it wasn't like he just showed up. We knew what they was walking through. But when the promise manifested itself, that did something for me, even though it's their baby. 
He's not here this week, and I, I had I've meant to, to let him share some of this, uh, and I might let him do it some more when he comes, but Cedric and Davina were here last week, and, and a lot of you don't know them, but Cedric and Davina had been believing for a house for a long time. They had been believing God that they could buy a home for, for a couple years, and they, they, they went through all the natural things you're supposed to do, getting your credit score right, saving up money, doing all of these things, uh, and they had, they had BJ was helping them uh, with all their loan paperwork, and they had everything in order, and they kept getting turned down. They kept saying, no, this is an issue, this is an issue, this is an issue, but how many of you know that your yes is out there? See, if you don't give up, your yes is out there. And so they kept going through the process and going through the process and they found this house and, 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 and I'm going to talk to you about, about what favor does for you in a moment. But, but they found this house and the guy who wanted to sell the house found favor with Sid and so, you know, he gave Sid a key to the house and was like, you know, you can go through it whenever you want to or whatever. And, 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 and Sid told me this last week, uh, a, a week or two ago, he said that there were days that when he got off work, he would drive to that empty house. He would go in the back door and he would sit where he imagined his couch would be. He would watch what he imagined where his TV would be. He said that he would thank God for his house. He'd get up and he'd go back to living where he was living. And he said for weeks he did that, just over and over. He said that while he was sitting there, the devil used to say to him, this is so stupid. You, they already told you you can't afford this house. They already told you you can't have this house. But how many know if you don't let your faith go? Even when it seems stupid to somebody else, if God has told you a path to go, you keep doing it. And watch this. Faith doesn't make sense to the senses. Faith doesn't make, faith doesn't make, if it makes sense to your five senses, it's not faith. If you can see it, you can touch it, you can smell it, you can hear it, you can taste it. It doesn't, it's not faith. You don't need faith to sit in that chair. It's a tangible object with legs. You can see it. You've got experience to know that it'll hold you. And so Sid said he did that for weeks and weeks and weeks. He said, and then finally the Lord gave him favor with a man. And a man gave, gave, him, gave him enough money that he was able to go back to the bank, have everything he needed. And watch this. A week ago, we spent the night with them in their house. A house they believed for. If you don't get excited when you hear faith stories of somebody else, you, you, what happens is when you hear that, you can't go, oh, well, that's great for them. That'll never happen for me. Because you know what? You're right. If you say it'll never happen for me, it'll never happen for you. You got to hear stories like that and go, hey, if God can do that for them, then the Acts 10, 35 says God is not a respecter of persons. So when I hear stories about people who walked out their faith, I get energized by that. Because I don't know about you, but there are some things I'm believing for. When I, my, my, my wife told you this several weeks ago. We were at the Black Alumni Reunion, and my cousin Lisa uh, came down from Kansas City. And Lisa goes to a church that has 20 people in it. And I was asking her how she, it was going, and she said, it's going really good. She said, we just bought a building. I said, who bought a building? <laughs> 20 people bought a building? She said, yes, because our pastor started saying to us that it didn't matter how many of us it was, if we all were dedicated to doing what God said, God would do the rest. The fact remains, God has never been limited by a number of people. The Bible says they had 10,000 men going to war and God reduced it to 300 before they got there. Why? Because he didn't want to say they won because they had 10,000. 
He wanted to win because he said, look, they didn't have a 300 men and they still won. Why? Because the battle is not yours, but the Lord's. Amen. Let's look at Jeremiah 29 and 11. Because when your faith gets stirred up, you can believe and believe God for something. Amen. Tell your neighbor, say, it's time to believe God for bigger and better things. The Bible says, for I know the thoughts that I think towards you, said the Lord, they are thoughts of peace, nothing missing, nothing broken, and not of evil, but to give you your expected end. To give you. See, my expected end may be different than your expected end, but God says, I'm going to give you all your expected end. Whatever I promise to you, that's what I'm going to give to you. And what has to happen is the devil's job is to get us to give up on this. His job is to get us to say, you know what? I must have been dreaming too big. I must have been thinking too large. I, I just made that up in my mind. But let me tell you, if you ever, ever, ever want to know if you're in faith, God almost always does this. God starts your faith journey with a dream. Think about it. That's what he did to Noah. He told Noah to build something that had never been built before. And he said, prepare for rain when it hadn't been rained before. It started with a dream. What did he say to Abraham? He said, Abraham, come here. I'm going to show you where I'm going to take you to. He says, I want you to look up and if you could number the stars and look at the sea, if you could number the sand, that's what I'm going to do for you. Faith always gives you a dream bigger than what you can accomplish on your own. So if you've been dreaming and your dream has been something that you can manufacture, I challenge you today, go back and ask God what else he wants to do. Because I'm, because trust me, if you can produce it, it didn't just come from God. Oh, ain't nobody going to say nothing about that. Faith will always challenge you. Because God knows that he needs to make the dream so big that you can only depend on him to see it come to pass. He, he, he wants you, God wants you to rely totally on him. He want, the thing you desire in your life, the thing you want to happen, ask yourself, is it in your power to produce it? If it's not, that's great because you need God. Come on. You need God to produce it. I can't tell you the number of times in our life that God told us to do something. And when we, when we said yes to it, we didn't have the resources to do it. But you don't wait till you get the resources. All right, that's the, this, this is the great day to announce it. We're going to buy us a building. Hallelujah! Mm -hmm. You don't wait till you have the resources. We're going to buy a building that we have on our own that we can use when we want to because it's enough faith in this room to produce it. The Bible says you just need faith, the grain of a mustard seed. It says that's all you need. And then it says if two or three would touch and agree, God said there I'll be in the midst of it. And God has never started a building plan he hadn't been able to finish. The Bible says where we're going to in heaven, the streets are made of gold. Well, I know he can do something with wood. I know he can do something with brick and mortar, amen? So he says we got to expect an end. So when we come to church, when we're at home, when we're making our confession, when we're reading the word, we're expecting something to happen, amen? In fact, say this, say something supernatural. Always happens, Always happens when I give my attention, I give my attention to, the to the Word of God. Some supernatural. Hallelujah. Some supernatural. Always happens. Always happens. 
Why? Why does it happen? Because it's already been done for us. Amen? Let's go to 2 Peter 1 and 3. 2 Peter 1 and 3. It says, according as his divine power has given us unto all things that pertain to life and godliness, through the knowledge of him that has called us to glory and virtue. It says, we can say that we win because God preordestined and preordained for us to win. It says that he's already given us all things. Somebody say all things. That pertain to life and godliness. So if it's, your, if it's for you, God's already designed it for you. That's, that, that's the reason that, that we start asking our kids so early about what it is they want to do in life. Because if you can get them to articulate what they want to do, it sets them on a journey for succeeding. Amen? And so the thing is, you got to go back and ask yourself, what is it that I want to do? What has the Lord told me to do? And then you got to know that already, already, God has already put that in you. He's already put it in you. God didn't wait for, see, God is not waiting for you to say, I want to do something, and then he puts it in you. God knew what you wanted to do. He put it in you, and now he's nudging you to ask him to get it out of you. Because God already knew. God is a sower. He sowed into you because you're the field. Remember last week we read it says we are the husbandry, we are the field. He says God sows into you all the greatness that you're ever going to need. Now what he's trying to do is help you to work with him because we're co-laborers with Christ so that you can partner so that the harvest of the miraculous can come out of your life. Take a day and say, I have everything I need to be successful. Let's go to Psalms 119. Psalms 119.96. I was meditating on this last week. I got a, I, I was at home and I think it was maybe last Sunday. And I was looking, I knew the scripture, but I couldn't find it. I was looking for it, looking for it, looking for it. I, I, I called Chris. I was like, Chris, I'm like, what is that scripture we used to read all the time? And we, we used to say it all the time. We used to live off that scripture. And we was looking for it. And the pastor Sean was like, you're talking about Psalms 119.96. I was like, yeah, that's it. So we found it. Amen. But here it is. Notice this. It says, I have seen an end of all perfection. Okay? One translation says like this. I have seen that everything human has its limits. I've seen. It doesn't matter how good it is. Everything human has its limits. It says, but your commandment or your word is exceedingly broad. In other words, wherever, wherever human limitations stop, your words keep going. Think of God's word like a bridge. You're driving and the road stops and there's a connection to the other side, but you can't get there. The word of God will take you from where you can't go to where you need to go. He says, I've seen that everything human has its limits. He says, but your word is exceedingly broad. In other words, his word will get you across situations where your intellect couldn't take you. His word will get you across situations where your connections couldn't get you. His, 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 his word will get you across situations where your job can't get you, where your money can't get you to. Tell your neighbor, say, there are times when you don't need money. What you need is favor. And the word of God will produce favor in your life. The word of God will produce favor in your life. What is favor? Favor is God working on your behalf 
to touch somebody else to do for you what you couldn't do for yourself. What you couldn't do. Oh, his, it says, I have seen that everything human has its limits and end. No matter how extensive it is, no matter how noble it is, and no matter how excellent it is. He says, but your commandment is exceedingly broad and it extends without limits even into eternity. You ought to write that one down. Psalm 119.96. I'm telling you, his word, his word will produce something for you not only in the earth, but it'll do something for you even in eternity because that's how his word is so broad. So you got to make sure, you got to make sure that you're hanging on to God's word. Amen. Now let's go to Psalms 18. This is where we've been hanging our hat. Psalms 1830. And I'm not going to read all those scriptures. Let's just do, let's just do Psalms 1830. I'll come back next week and we'll follow. You, this week, you ought to read Psalms 1830 through 49. Now we're just going to hit, we just gonna, we'll just hit this one. Maybe this one, this one, just put it up there. But, <laughs> praise God. But, but you ought to read those scriptures. Amen? Now watch this. It says, ask for God, his way is what? Can somebody shout about that? Can somebody give God some praise about that? His way is perfect. It says the word of the Lord is what? Tried. Tested. It's been proven. It says he is a buckler to all those that what? Trust in him. For who is God save the Lord? Or who is a rock save our God? It says it is God that girdeth me with strength and maketh my way perfect. God does that. People say, man, it seems like everything you do always seems to work out, and it's so easy. No, it's just that I do what God says. It's not that it's any easier for me. And the thing is, watch this. When you're trusting God, remember that scripture that says that when you're trusting God and you put your trust in him, you won't even see when the bad stuff comes? Most of the time, people see the bad stuff you're going through, but when you're not responding to it, they don't understand that. They're like, wait a minute, why aren't you losing your mind? Why, why aren't you cussing them out? I don't understand. Why, why, why are you not doing those things that I would be doing? Because my focus is not on the foolishness. My focus is on what God has said. i give you a prime example of this. You remember when God told his disciples, he said, I want you to get in the boat and I want you to meet me on the other side. And the Bible says they got in the boat and on the way to the other side, this storm came. It says and a storm came and the disciples almost lost their mind. They were like, Jesus, don't you care about us? Jesus, don't you care that we perish? Jesus, what you going to do? And Jesus said he came and rebuked the wind and he asked him, he said, oh, ye of little faith. Why did he say they had little faith? He said they had little faith because what was his promise? I'm going to meet you on. So the storm don't matter. You crying about what you're going through, but what did God say? You upset about what people are talking about you, but what did God say? You upset because somebody said this or somebody did that or this ain't working out. But what did God say? God said you're going to be on the end of this thing. So that's all I'm focused on. So your neighbor say, neighbor, just run the play. Just run the play. Don't tell me about what defensive scheme they in. Just run what I told you to run. Just run the play. Just run the play. And watch this. You can't run the play thinking the whole time the play ain't going to work. Coach called a play. You're like, this ain't going to work. I'm going to run over here. This ain't going to work. You're just halfway doing it. You got to put everything. Take another say, You got to put everything into the play. Amen. Amen. You got to put everything into the play. Amen. 
Amen. Now, let me give you this, and we're going to finish this. Let me give you the six things you can do this week. Six things you can do this week to build your faith so that your faith will last. Say, my faith, my faith is, designed is designed to last. last. See, faith is a condition on which Christ's power is based. Okay? That, it's, 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 like a, it's like having a cord and you plug it into the wall. It doesn't matter how good the cord is. If the electricity is not flowing, you're not going to get power. But if you have electricity flowing, but the cord doesn't work, you still don't have power. So God is the power source. His power source is good. Our faith is like the cord. We got to make sure the cord is working. And you and I can develop the strength in our faith. Tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, you don't get more faith. No, 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 no. You don't get more faith. What you get a chance to do is to develop the faith that you have. You get a chance to develop the faith that you have. Last week, y'all laughed when I said I had the same abs that Jimmy did. I do. I do. I have the same abs. He has developed his a lot more than mine. But we have the same number. Amen? Amen. Anatomically speaking. Anatomically speaking, we have the same amount of faith. But how many know some of us have spent more time developing our faith? So you can't be mad at somebody because they spent more time. It's like me being mad talking about, I don't know why he looked like that. He always going to the gym. Because he always going to the You can't be mad at a person for using their faith because they always exercising their faith. Amen? So understand this. Number one, here we go. If I'm going to develop my faith, if I'm going to spend time doing things that are going to cause my faith to last, here are some simple things you can do. Number one, Make it a practice of getting to know God. Make it a practice of getting to know God by abiding in his word. Pastor Sean used this example. I think it's so good because we had, we had extra kids at our house this weekend. And, 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 and what happens is if you, because you grew up with your mom, you can be around 30 moms and, and, and someone can say something and you will know it's your mom's voice because you spent time hearing it so much. It, it, it's, it's, it's like, it's, it's amazing because people have babies and I never understood this until we had one, but people have babies and you're like, is that my baby crying? No, that ain't my baby crying. Because you know your babies cry because you spend so much time hearing it. The same thing is true with the word of God. If you want to get to know God, spend time in the thing that's most closely related to him, his word. Someone said, well, pastor, how can you say that? Because the Bible says in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And then you skip down a few verses. It says "And the word was made flesh and it, and it dwelt among us. So if you want to get to know God, spend time in his word. You, 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 and we say that all the time, and we're not joking. We say, we love the word. We love the word. Why? Because if you work the word, the word will work for you. But I, I love the word because it is my connection to God. When I read that his way is perfect, he's like saying that to me. He's like, Strick, I got this. You know, when I read the Bible, and, and I, you know, I'm showing you some King James, but I read lots of different translations. I read a verse, and I read enough translations until it speaks to me. I find one that speaks to me. If, if he, I, I, you know, sometimes the these and the thous and the, the husbandries, I don't even know what that stuff is. I have to look that up before I tell y'all. <laughs> know what that is? I know what a field is. I didn't know what no husbandry was. But, but I spend time with the word because that's how I get to know God. Amen? 
So you got to get in the habit of having quiet time with God every day. Listen, I'm not saying you can't listen to your radio, but how about listening to your radio on the way home instead of in the morning? You're going to the office at a place where you say all the people is crazy. You ought to be spending your time in the Word before you get there. Don't deal with crazy and then try to be refreshed coming home. If you get the Word first, it'll push out all the foolishness. Amen? But you got to spend time with the Word. Amen? I'm not saying you got to read a whole chapter. I've never been a person. I used to try to do that because I thought that's what people wanted me to do. But I, can, I can't sit down and read Mark chapter 1. I, I can't read all of that. I just can't. I read something in Mark, and I say, okay, God, I'm going to meditate on this for the rest of the day. And I get that one little piece, and I meditate on it, and I think about it. I get a scripture, and I say, Lord, what is, when you say this, what does it mean to me? Because understand, we're living post-cross. Okay? We're not living pre-cross. So there are sometimes I read something in the Bible, it is literally a historical context. But I'm saying to God, God, what does it mean for me today in this modern age? What, what do you want me to do? When you say pray, believe, I receive, what does that mean for me right now? And he'll say, it means that you got to pray, and when you ask me for something, believe that I'm going to do it like I've done the other thousands of things I've told you I'm going to do. If you ain't having a real conversation with God, I, 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 don't, I, don't, I don't know how God talked to you. I ain't going to say you ain't talking to God. I'm just going to say, but if all God ever said to you was sweet little nice stuff, I don't know. I don't know. Because sometimes God says stuff to challenge you. God will say stuff like this. Why don't you believe me for more? Well, God, I'm good. I'm good, God. He said, no, you ain't good. I need you to be a distribution center to hundreds of other people. You're like, oh, man, I just want to pay my own bills and be good, God. He's like, no, I need you to ask me for more. Because what God is wanting to do is two things. One, he's wanting you to grow your faith. But then number two, he wants to be a blessing. So like he said in Deuteronomy, he wants to establish his covenant through you. He wants to establish his covenant in the earth through you. So you can never get to a place where you're not spending time with God. Amen. And then periodically throughout the day, you got to take time to meditate. You know, so it's meditating on, on God. So is the best preventative measure for you not wigging out on somebody. Ah, it is your best <laughs> Yeah. You never know. You will meditate. You'll be like, God, you're so good. I thank you. Lord, you're just wonderful. Ah. Lord Jesus, I so thank you. It just said, the meditation just saved you from wigging out on somebody for cutting you off. I know that there are times that I have said the wrong thing to my wife and I thank God that she was meditating because I can tell when she's meditated and when she has. <laughs> Praise the Lord. And sometimes she's, I say something, I know it's the wrong thing. And when, I, when I say it, she'd be like, strict, you want to rephrase that? I'd be like, yep. <laughs> I do, I do, I do. I want to do over. I want to do over. I want to rephrase that. But abiding in the word helps solve some of those problems. Amen? So that's number one. Number two, you got to practice obedience. You got to practice obedience. And obedience is moment to moment. What God told you yesterday may not be what he's telling you today. You know, people for years didn't understand why we were fluid enough to say, if God said be here, that's where we're going to be. God said do this, we're going to do that. People are like, well, y'all seem flaky. 
Maybe so. What I do know is that every time you follow God, it ends up good. And so your obedience is moment by moment. God may tell you not to give today, but that's not a mandate to never give. The Lord told me don't help them. Mm -mm. I ain't never helping them again. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. Like the Lord didn't say never. He just said not right now. Well, the same thing is true if you sin, if you make a mistake, if you miss the mark. You don't just go, oh, I blew it. So when we fast, this is what we tell people. Because when you're fasting, and we haven't brought fasting on y'all too much yet, but, when we, but the Bible says when you fast, not if you fast, it says when you fast. So when we fast, here's what happens. People go, you know, because sometimes it's easy. You'll be fasting, and, and, and you, let's say you're going to the cleaners to pick up your clothes. When I go to the cleaners, they got all that little candy right there. I'm not thinking sometimes. I'm waiting on my clothes. I'm like, ooh, bam. I guess I'm unwrapping and popping my mouth. I'm like, ooh, I wasn't supposed to eat that. Okay, well, if I hadn't chewed it already, you know, then maybe I take it out. <laughs> but folks, I'm going to be still sucking somebody. Well, it's here now. Or, or they say this, well, it's 9 o'clock in the morning. You don't want to get your clothes off. He's like, well, I already blew it. I might as well enjoy the day. No, obedience is moment by moment. If you mess up, you get right back on track. Amen? If you mess up, you get right back on track. So number two, you got to obey God, and obedience is moment by moment. Number three, you got to discern the will of God for your life. You got to discern the will of God for your life. There are some amazing people in northwest Arkansas, but you can't be all of them. Amen? <laughs> I mean, I mean, seriously, you can't look at go somebody like, oh, I want to be a business exec like them. Oh, I want to order a catering business like them. Oh, I want to do this. Oh, I want to do that. You got to find the will of God for your life. And then you got to be comfortable with what God's called you to. You can't look at somebody else's life and see how glamorous it is. It's only glamorous because they're doing what God called them to do. So you got to make sure that you perceive and you discern the will of God for your life. This happens through prayer. I'm going to say it again. It happens through prayer. So you don't get to go home and go, ooh, I like how they living. I'm going to do that. That ain't prayer. Prayer is, Lord, what would you want? What, Lord, this is, my life is yours. What would you want to do with it? Now, I'm not going to tell you that's not scary because we were talking about this about two years ago. And, and, and I, I, I don't know that it was him. I'm still praying about it. But I thought I heard the Lord say, go to Africa. And I was like, oh, hold on a minute. Hold on a minute. That's, that, that wasn't, I don't mean to live. But, 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 but I, I, I know a lot of people want to go to Africa. That's great. No problem. That's not one of my things. But how many of you know that there are times when you begin to ask God what he wants to do with your life? It might not be what you want to do. Ooh, now, 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 now what do we do? Now, because, because the Lord says, well, I want you to do this. You're like, well, that's not glamorous. <laughs> I, I, you got to pick something else, God. Did you ever notice that, that, that typically God will start you out doing something where you might not even get no recognition for it? You're like, God, I don't want to be the intern. I want to be the CEO. Just start me off at the top. God, like, no, I need to see your faithfulness in this area. And so you have to ask God, what would he want you to do? Many times the trappings of this world can be enticing to us. But you have to make sure, you have to understand, there are people literally who God has called to do a particular thing, 
but he called them to do it for the kingdom. But because they saw no glory in doing it for the kingdom, they've taken the gift and tried to pervert it by doing something else in the world with it. Now, understand this. I'm, I don't believe that every singer has to be a singer in the church. I don't believe that. But the question is, what did God tell you though? Because if God told you that he wanted you to sing in the kingdom, and you're like, uh-uh, ain't no glory in that. I'm going to go somewhere else and do it. Well, you're outside the will of God. So it don't matter how talented you are. The Bible says, cursed is the man who makes flesh his strength. So it's not going to work out, amen? That's number three. Number four, you've got to take hold of the things of God through prayer. Pastor, what do you mean? The Bible says in 1 John 5, 14 and 15. It says, and this is the confidence which we have that if we ask anything according to God's will, God does what? Hears us. And if he hears us in whatever we ask, we know then that we have the request which we ask for. In layman's term, God hears what you ask for and God gives you what you ask for. So the way I do that is through prayer. You got to tell God what it is you want. You can't just say, well, I'm not worthy, and so you never ask. How many of you didn't get saved until you asked? You didn't get born again until you asked. You asked, and immediately you got born again. God wants to work that way in all areas of your life. Amen? And then number five, if you're going to build a faith that's going to last, you have to stay focused on God, even in difficult times. You got to stay focused on God even in difficult times. It's amazing to me that there are people who will say they're going to pray. They'll go in to pray and they're more tired and exhausted when they come out of prayer than when they went into prayer. Because they spend all their time in prayer not focused on God, but they spend all their time focused on their problems. You don't go into prayer and lament to God about your issues. Think about it. What does the Bible say when we pray? It says we pray how? Our Father, which hallowed, that means we set your name on high, hallowed be thy name, thy, thy, on, as it already is, give us our, and forgive us as we forgive those, and lead us not, but deliver us, for thou was the, and the, and the forever. Amen. Amen. That's how you pray. Not, oh God, I ain't gonna make it. He didn't say pray like that. Lord, you know they coming to get this car. I don't want to have to hide it again. That's not how you pray. That is not how you pray. You can't go, if you, if you pray like that, you're praying in fear. And the Bible says that Job got exactly what he prayed for because he, the Bible says, Job said, I prayed every day because I was afraid that my kids would do something and something bad would happen. It's, and then Job, the Bible says, the thing he feared did what? Came upon him. So you can't go into your prayer closet wearing yourself out, crying and snotting and acting like that's going to move God. That doesn't move God. Faith moves God, not tears. Tears don't move God. So when you get through crying and you get through hollering and you get through wailing in that closet, you still got to come out and believe. <laughs> you still, you still got to come out and believe. 
You still got to come out. You still got to put your pants on one leg at a time. You still got to stand up and face the devil and say, God, I choose to believe you in spite of every obstacle that I'm facing. You still got to do it. So just stay focused on God. Just stay focused. What did God say? God said this, I choose to believe you. All this other stuff going on, I don't care. I'm just choosing to believe. You know, nobody had a 100% guarantee of how the fight was going to come out last night. Okay? But there were many people who believed with everything they had that Floyd was going to win. There were other people who with everything in them believed that Pac-Man was going to win. Okay? But nobody knew the outcome, but it didn't stop you from believing before the fight started. So, okay, let's say you don't know the outcome, but you can choose to believe God now. If you can do it for something natural, certainly you can do it for something spiritual. And we, and we just read that God's ways are perfect, that his ways have been tried. So if you got to go with somebody, why not go with God? Amen? And then last one, uh, number six, you got to learn to pray. Until something happens. Pray until something happens. And prayer is not this thing where you're begging God every time. The Bible says in Mark that you are to believe that you receive when? When you pray. So if I'm praying tonight, when do I receive? Tonight. So the next time I talk to God about it, I'm not asking God for it. What should I be doing? Y'all are fast class. Y'all teaching in here. We don't spend our time asking God for the same thing a hundred times. It's like my kids saying, Dad, can I drive your car? And I go, yes. And they just keep saying, can I drive your car? Yeah. Can I drive your car, though? Yes. But can I drive your car? Boy, yes. But can I drive your car, though? I told you yes. How many times do I have to tell you yes before you get it? The Bible says all the promises of God are yes and it is so. So if God has said yes, then all I'm doing is thanking him for it, knowing that it's already happened and the manifestation is the only thing I'm waiting to see. But it's as real to me when I pray as when I get it. We go back to the example of the baby. People don't wait, they shouldn't wait, till their baby get here and try to build the nursery. You, start, you, you work a little bit as it go, so when the manifestation shows up, you're prepared. So when God makes you a promise and, and you say, well, I believe I receive, well, Lord, why didn't I have it? Maybe there's some preparation needing to take place. Some character development needing to take place before the manifestation shows up. Amen. Because God is not delayed. The Bible tells us that God will not tarry. Amen. Now, let me help you with this. Galatians chapter 3, 13 and 14. Y'all got these six points? You can screenshot them real quick if you need to. Galatians 3, 13 and 14 tells us how we, re how we get the promises of God. It says, Christ redeemed us from the self-defeating, cursed life by absorbing it completely into himself. Now watch that. That's what God did. That, that is so, Christ redeemed. He bought us back. How did he do it? He took our self-defeating and empowered to fail life and he absorbed it into himself. Tell your neighbor, say, neighbor, God took all your junk. Ain't no junk in you no more. That's why God knows you can make it. He said, do you remember the scripture that says, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree? 
That is what happened when Jesus was nailed to the cross. He became a curse for us. At the same time, he dissolved the curse. He didn't just become the curse. He took the curse, and then he, and I like to say it like this, he wrung out the curse. So he took all of our junk upon himself, leaving us just right. But Jesus was like, I'm not keeping this junk. We're putting it back where it goes. So he goes to hell and deposits all that junk there. Then he comes back and sits at the right hand of the Father. And then he says, all right, now that you ain't got junk in you, ask me for what's in you. Because now what's in you is not junk anymore. It's my good pleasure to give you what you asked for. He says, and now because of that, he said, the air is cleared, and we can see that Abraham's blessing is present and available for non-Jews. That's you and I. So the same blessing that was due to the children of Israel now is available to us. It says we are all able, say all. all. We are all able to receive God's life, his spirit, in and with us by how? Believe. Believing. How? Believe. The same way Abraham received it. It's nothing special. The same way Abraham received it, the same way we receive it. Hey, the Bible says Abraham believed and it was accounted unto him as what? Righteousness. That's righteousness. So now, now that we're here, let's talk about these five faith expectations. Real quick, five faith expectations. When you're in faith, here's what you can believe for. Number one, wisdom. If you're in faith, you can believe God's going to give you wisdom. You can believe that God's going to give you information. He's going to download stuff to you. He's going to help you understand things that you didn't have a comprehension for before. Number two, if I'm in faith, I can believe God for favor. What is favor? It's God's willingness to touch somebody else's heart to do for me what I couldn't do for myself. See, people talk about networking. Nothing wrong with networking. It's a practical thing to networking. But sometimes God will put you in connection with folks you ain't got no business being in front of. The Bible says he'll have you to stand before kings. He'll have you standing before kings. So if I'm in faith, I can believe God for wisdom. Number two, I can believe God for favor. Number three, I can believe God for a plan of action. A plan of action. The Bible says that God is not the author of confusion. So if God's not the author of confusion and God wants to get something done, God has a plan for it. Think about all the miraculous things that God did. God had a plan. God had a plan for the man of God when he told him, he said, hey, I want you to go down to Zarephath. He said, I want you to find a widow woman. He was like, what? You're going to send me to bed from a widow woman? God had a plan. When, 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 they got, when, when Joseph got ready to become very, very rich, what did God do? God gave him a plan. When, hey, what, what, when Noah got ready to build a boat for the saving of the world, what happened? God gave him what? A plan, a specific plan. Told him how long the boat was supposed to be. Told him what kind of wood it was supposed to be made out of. Told him every detail he needed to go without the internet. See? <laughs> Why I said, because sometimes God gives you a word, you run to the internet. You don't need the internet. You need to listen to God. You're like, oh, okay, what's my plan of action for this? You need to go on your knees and say, Lord, what's my plan of action? Amen? And then number four, whenever you're in faith, you can't predict this, but you can always expect it, a miracle. You, you can't predict miracles, but in faith you can believe for them. Amen? Now, how many know you don't want to live your life by miracles? 
You don't, you don't want to be like, oh, I don't know what I'm going to eat today. Oh, Lord, let something drop on my plate. No. <laughs> There's a better way to live than that. Amen. There's a better way to live than miracles, but you can expect one. Amen. Kevin and Erica saw a miracle. A, a, a medical doctor with good information said, this pregnancy is not going to work out. You should terminate. But God said you shall live and not die, and you should declare the works of the Lord. So now you got to have a plan of action. Their plan of action was that, I talked to Kev last week, their plan of action was every day he got up, he put his hands on his wife's stomach, he made his confessions, and he told his baby he loved her before he went to work. And you say, well, that ain't that big a deal. But it was his plan of action that God gave him. And his faithfulness to the plan of action produced the baby they have right now. See, every time God gives you something, it ain't going to be deep. Sometimes the, the Lord will say, okay, every time, every time that you think about X, I want you to say thank you, Lord. But what they got to do with it? Because he told you. That's what it has to do with it. Because he told you. You just got to do what he told you. And I'm telling you, you can have wisdom, favor, a plan of action, a miracle. And number five, you know what it is, strength to endure to change comes. When you're in faith, you, are, you have fortified strength. Amen? You have a fortified strength that you're going to keep praying. You're going to keep believing. You're going to keep doing everything it is that God has told you to do. And watch this. Gloria Copeland says it like this. If you're willing to stand forever, you won't have to stand very long. But you got to set your face like flint. you got to decide that I don't care what happens. I ain't moving off this. I don't care if every friend I got turned their back on me. I believe this is what God said, and this is what I'm going to stick to. And watch this. God will never let you be alone. God will always raise up other faith people to believe with you. It might not be the people you started out with, but God will always raise up somebody. God will always raise up. He's he shown me that. He'll always raise up somebody to believe in faith with you. Amen? And so as we begin to continue this series about building your faith, take those five things that we talk about, five faith expectations, and then those six things that you can do to build your faith. Keep doing it, and let's come back and let's celebrate next week. Let's hear some testimonies about what God has done. Amen? Amen. Come on, give the Lord some praise this morning. Hallelujah. Did you learn something this morning? Amen, amen, amen. Pastor Sean.